0: Rock
1: talk. Welcome to Rock Talk, the podcast where a couple of jabronis get to know the movie roles of Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I'm Jordan Rummel, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Charlie Guile. Charlie, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing well. You know, we took a week off. We couldn't schedule a time to record last week. So sorry we couldn't get an episode out. So we've been off for a couple weeks, but I got to say, I feel rejuvenated. I'm ready to get back into it.
1: Yeah, this is nice. I feel I feel like limber. I feel I'm have a lot of uh, like mouth mobility right now. I'm feeling <laughs> my diction is is on point. Let's do it.
0: A lot of red red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Ron the Burgundy,
0: f- vocal warm-up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so thanks. Uh, you know, Sorry that uh, we took that gap, but we are back uh, with an excellent movie that we're going to review today. It very well may have set a new standard for buddy comedies, but before any of that, it is, of course, time to take a look at our rock news of the week.
2: Mazel! That's fantastic news!
0: As always, we have three pieces of news this week um Number one, Dwayne Johnson let it slip that Maui, his character in Moana, is based on his grandfather, uh the high chief Peter Mava of Samoa. He retweeted uh, a link to a side by side picture of Maui and his grandfather and I gotta say, uh I can totally see that you got the hair uh the the hair, the bod
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, yeah style. Guy. Well done with it. You're welcome.
0: Uh, (laughs) It looks good.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I see it. I see it. You know what? That's how awesome is that to get to a point where you can base an animated character that you're playing off your own grandfather? I think that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. And he's such like he's so um, concerned with constantly honoring his family and his heritage that it's really cool that he's able to work it into even uh, an animated movie, and like we said, Moana was very, very aware of its uh, cultural representation. So this is just another uh, indicator of that. Thought it was really cool. Second piece of news we have: Hobbs versus Shaw, the Fast oh. and Furious spinoff, finally has a release date. This movie is going to be amazing. I'm I'm very excited for it. I know it's a little bit controversial, but the release date that they got is July twenty sixth, twenty nineteen. It's a little ways away. Usually, they put out Fast and Furious movies every other year, but I guess with Hobbs versus Shaw coming out in twenty nineteen, that would push Fast Nine to at least twenty twenty, which would make it what th- three years? Yeah, three that's years? a that's a
1: three year gap. I gotta say, so when I first heard this, I you know I was bummed, of course, that we got to wait uh, an extra year to see Fast Nine, but when you look at the current cast the way it is and and the way that Fast uh, Eight kind of felt. I don't know. Like I think this is the right moment for this spin-off. I think that Hobbs and Shaw, uh Jason Statham and and Dwayne Johnson, those are the two actors providing the most like electricity to this franchise. So I'm actually pretty stoked to see uh where this spin-off takes the the story.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for it too, but I got to say I'm a little concerned that this movie is going to be a seven bucks Productions film uh this is Dwayne Johnson's production company so far they've only done they've only released one movie and that was Baywatch which we uh all love and hate at the same time (laughs) and and they're going to be doing Jumanji so you know we'll see how that turns out but I gotta say I would rather it stay uh whatever production company was was putting out the fast movies before that I'd feel much more comfortable with because I, I think when Dwayne Johnson has a lot of yes men around him and, you know, just free reign of things, you end up with a Baywatch type movie.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why why not every Fast and Furious movie should be a universal picture directed by uh, Justin Lin. I mean, it's just every single one.
0: So uh, fingers crossed for that, but we have an official release date, so that's fun. Uh, and number three, this is something that's been brought to our attention by our good friend Casey Wassman, and we saw, bouncing around on Twitter anyway, this is a Medium post that Dwayne Johnson retweeted, and in the wake of you know all these Harvey Weinstein allegations, uh, Ben Affleck allegations, this is called The Rock Test, a hack for men who don't want to be accused of sexual harassment. And it's sort of a tongue-in-cheek post about, well, Jordan, do you want to take this? Do you want to explain it a little bit?
1: Yeah. So and so basically the way the way the rock test works is you treat all women in a work environment the way that you would treat Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Uh, It kind of avoids, you know, any kind of gray area in in how uh, men tend to approach women in the workplace. But if you just replace a woman with uh, Dwayne Johnson, uh, you should be able to figure out your behavior. So says author and Victoria Clark. It's all, I mean, you should check this article out if you haven't read it it's it's not only funny uh, and, and and fairly tongue in cheek, but it, there's a certain truth within it that's pretty uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I don't know. I think that she kind of hit the nail on the head with it.
0: Yeah, I mean let me read this part of it. It's pretty funny. Uh, they go through different situations. And situation one is Karen is a friend who recently moved to your city, wants to pick your brain and get coffee with you. There's just one problem. Karen looks like this. And it's a picture of a, an attractive young woman and said, oh, shoot, she's pretty in the face. Even what to do goes down to say, close your eyes, take a deep breath. And when you open them, pretend Karen looks like this. And it's a picture of Dwayne Johnson on the set of Skyscraper. <laughs> just uh,
1: emerging out of <laughs> gnarled well, wreckage. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Wow. Karen looks pretty tough and strong and sweaty. She looks like a person who's working very hard to achieve her goals. So this is that's sort of the way this is written. I definitely would recommend reading this. Um, I think it's really funny and it's it's woke and it's the rock. So we like that.
1: It is woke.
0: (laughs) I just recently learned that term. (laughs) Uh, I really enjoyed the SNL uh, fake commercial with Ryan Gosling. Levi's Wokes. Did you see that?
1: No, I didn't see. Oh,
0: it's really funny. I would suggest you go watch that, too.
1: I will take a look at this last week's SNL, but first, it's time for us to get into this movie, and that means it's time for Daddy to go to work.
2: Daddy's gotta go to work.
1: All right, like we said, this week we are taking a look at Central Intelligence, 2013 pg-13 action comedy starring dwayne johnson and kevin hart this movie was made with a budget of about 50 million dollars and on opening weekend uh made made uh more than half of that a little over 35.5 mil it ended up grossing about 127 million uh nationwide so this movie made a good amount of bucks Uh, And people liked it. And Dwayne Johnson was actually nominated for a Critics' Choice Award for Best Actor in a Comedy. So, you know, after what was about eight movies of just pretty much extreme action dating back to Snitch in 2013, this was a really big comedic turn for Dwayne Johnson.
0: Oh, for sure. Uh, Before that, you know, his sort of more lighthearted roles were more family-friendly type roles like the Tooth Fairy or the Game Plan. And this, honestly, is, at least for, for comedy, where I think Dwayne Johnson really hits his sweet spot. He I, I feel like he needs somebody to play off of and to have sort of the Danny DeVito-Arnold Schwarzenegger twins situation nice. in this movie is something you, they they really, really play off. And it's uh, really funny. And it's clear that they do a lot of improv um, in this movie. And they I, it seems like they kept a lot.
1: I absolutely, I think you're absolutely right. That's, that's the one thing that to me stands out about this movie and we will dig into it, but it felt so off the cuff in so many different ways. And I think that's a testament, a, to how skilled Kevin Hart is as a comedian, but B, I think Dwayne Johnson was taking a lot of risks with this movie. Uh, and I think they paid off. Um, but let's, let's get into it because this movie is freaking hilarious. And I know we got a ton to talk about. So let's just dive into act one here. The year is 1996. Star athlete Calvin Joyner, played by Kevin Hart, is being honored at his high school. Halfway through Calvin's speech, a group of bullies led by Trevor Olson throw Robbie Weirdick, played by Dwayne Johnson, who was showering in the locker room, into the gymnasium completely naked, right where the assembly is taking place. He's totally embarrassed. The entire school is laughing at him. Only Calvin is sympathetic and even gives him his, his own letterman jacket to help cover up. Fast forward 20 years later. Calvin is married to his high school sweetheart, Maggie, and he's an accountant. However, he's dissatisfied with his career and his life. One day at work, Calvin receives a friend request on Facebook from a mysterious man named Bob Stone, who requests that they meet up. Calvin is shocked to meet Bob Stone, the present-day Robbie Weirdick, who is now a muscular, confident CIA agent with a changed name. Now, after a wild night out, Stone asks Calvin to review a few accounting records. Calvin deciphers the records to be multi-million dollar transactions from an auction, with the final payment sent to be made the following day. Stone avoids Calvin's questions about the records and spends the night on his couch. So Charlie, in Act 1, we meet Calvin Joyner and Robbie Weirddict, and what are your first impressions of both of them?
0: Um, I, I really like the throwback to 1996, sort of the uh, prologue to this movie. Kevin Hart it you know it doesn't really look like they had to put much makeup on him to make him look like he was in high school. The guy looks great. Um <laughs> I really enjoyed the whole school assembly. The CGI fat version of young Dwayne Johnson uh Robbie Weirdick singing in the shower. I thought was funny.
1: It, well, I think so too. It was it's yeah. it's it, it was jarring.
0: Uh Oh yeah. I mean like- this is something that during like And the trailers for this movie, they really put front and center. They're really proud of this moment.
1: It's crazy, though, because the CGI on his face, like there's something like kind of in the uncanny valley about it. It's it's sort of like he's like merged into this weird Play-Doh version of himself.
0: It's sort of like a Snapchat filter.
1: Yes. Oh, my. That's exactly it. That's exactly what it looks like. But it's pretty goofy. Uh, And then he gets thrown out into this gymnasium. Pretty upsetting scene. You get a lot of, like, sad Dwayne Johnson eyes in this moment, which I was loving.
0: Yeah, real bummer. Um, but, you know, it, you know, we see Bob Stone reach out to Calvin Joyner, at, you know, in present day. Uh, they meet up at a bar. I really, the bar scene is one of my favorite scenes in this movie because you get to see that even though Robbie Weirdick has changed his name to Bob Stone and now he's, like, a successful, um, more or less secret agent who's jacked, confident, Strong, all those things. You could see that, like in the presence of his high school hero, he sort of shrinks back into Robbie Weirdick, and so he's still kind of like this lovable nerd
1: guy. Yeah, you know that's something that the 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 summary of Act One doesn't really get into, but the way that that Weirdick speaks, the way that Bob Stone speaks in present day, especially around Calvin, is this is this like childish. You know, it's so clear that he idolizes Calvin. And it it's this goofy juxtaposition where you have this like totally Jack Dwayne Johnson, um, who is so capable and so sure of himself, but sort of speaks like like a like a fifteen year old. Like he kind of has this like stilted way of speaking throughout the mm-hmm. entire movie that's it's just kind of baffling and interesting.
0: Exactly. Yeah. He'll say things like, What, what, that's like what you know, things like that. <laughs> He's like such like He's so nerdy. He wears, I love this little detail. He wears a leather fanny pack. And like, in, like in Johnson every fan, scene. like Yeah. <laughs> so. Like if you're a Dwayne Johnson fan, you know that that leather fanny pack was made famous in that old photo of Dwayne Johnson uh, where he's leaning up against the railing with his black turtleneck gold chain and black leather fanny pack. So that was a nice callback there. I really enjoyed that. He gives us one of... The best one-liners that I think we see in all the Dwayne Johnson filmography, which is, I don't like bullies. I like that.
1: It's 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 so to the core of what Dwayne Johnson is now. It's just so wholesome and like this pure, but also like paternal almost. I don't know. I'd love that line. It's a great line. Is
0: this? hmm, We can get into this later, maybe. But is this the height of Dwayne Johnson's powers?
1: I think that this is his total wheelhouse. Like I think like this movie to me gives him it's every single one of his best tools are being used so tremendously throughout. And I think that like dad, like dad, Dwayne Johnson is an excellent Dwayne Johnson. I think it works. It works for him. Uh, I also what's, like, I want to talk about this fight scene, though, when they're in the bar because they have this crazy night out. Uh, And part of that is Dwayne Johnson, when he when he puts this like, I don't like bullies line, this is the first moment that we see his fight skills. And so in many ways, this is similar to like in the rundown where we get like kind of an opening fight scene to show to kind of showcase Dwayne Johnson's strength. This was a pretty good one. As far as like opening fight scenes go for Dwayne Johnson movies, I thought this did a really good job of highlighting everything we're going to get in this film.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, And he's doing it all while wearing a unicorn T-shirt, which (laughs) I love. It's awesome. He says, oh, I'm big
1: into corns. (laughs) Bob Stone is a total brony. Absolute brony.
0: Oh, absolutely he is. But you're right. I think the fight scene is great. You know, when these guys in the bar are picking on Kevin Hart, he sort of like, he tries to, first he tries to kind of deal with them without fighting them, tries to charm them and say, hey, everything's cool here. Uh, but, you know, when they don't relent, you know, he sticks up for Calvin.
1: Yeah, it's it's a good moment. And it's again, you know, we keep saying it, but when he gets to play with when it's a buddy role, when he gets to be a partner, it's so good. And there's just something about the way he sticks up for him that like you just want to root for him right away. I do have one question, though. Yeah,
0: there's a scene between the bar and Calvin's house where Bob Stone stays that night. They go back into the high school
1: after hours. How did they get there? Okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Very good point that they're in this high school. So I know I can tell you for a fact, my old high school, the doors to the gym are always open and I don't know what that's about, but I've been inside my school many a time uh, Uh in my post high school career because it's always open as like weird as that is. So I was like, for me, actually, it's funny you bring that up because I was like, oh, yeah, they're in their school like late at night as adults like that. Like that just makes total sense to me. I I, I don't know. For me, it wasn't even a.
0: I think that's a, a security problem.
1: You're probably right. Fairfax High School, if you're listening, which I know you are, <laughs> get on that. You mentioned one thing.
0: One other thing. And this is in the prologue, but it pops up again um, because Dwayne Johnson has a flashback to when he got thrown out naked in the school assembly. So we get a young version of Kevin Hart using actual Kevin Hart, a young version of Dwayne Johnson using Dwayne Johnson's face. The young version of Jason Bateman, who we later find out is Jason Bateman, they don't use his face. They use some child actor that sort of kind of looks like him. I don't know. You're
1: right. When when Trevor Olsen and these bullies throw Robbie Weird Dick out into the gym, we don't get a Bateman appearance. And I actually, I mean, I think part of that is because, like, for I found it so hysterical when it turned around to be Bateman.
0: Yeah, maybe they were saving that.
1: Okay, and now we got to get to Act 2. This is, okay, I just want to say, like, the plot in this movie gets a little nuts. And, and Act 2 is sort of where that kicks off. Uh, it's still great, though. So try and follow along. The next morning, a group of CIA agents led by Pamela Harris, played by... Amy Ryan, arrive at Calvin's house in search of Stone, who escapes. Harris tells Calvin that Bob Stone is actually a dangerous rogue agent who intends to sell satellite codes to the highest bidder. Soon after, Stone abducts Calvin, explaining that he's actually trying to stop a criminal known as the Black Badger from selling the codes, but he needs Calvin's help finding the coordinates of the deal's location. After an attack by a bounty hunter, Calvin flees Bob, only to be intercepted again by Harris, who tells him that actually Stone murdered his partner, Phil Stanton, played by Aaron Paul, and himself is the Black Badger. Even with this knowledge, Bob is somehow able to convince Calvin to help him, and Calvin ends up setting up a meeting with Trevor, who we learn is played by Jason Bateman, who is able to track the offshore account for the auction so they can get the deal's location. Trevor helps them, but bullies Bob once again, proving that he hasn't changed a bit since high school and revealing that Bob Stone still holds some of those traumas that he uh, received that day when he got thrown out into the gym. Harris calls Calvin, threatening to arrest his wife if he fails to help them detain Stone. This forces Calvin to betray Stone, who is then arrested by the CIA. As Harris tortures Stone to get him to confess, Calvin decides to help Stone escape, and they break out of the facility together. A lot going on in Act Two. We it really gets into this weeds, the weeds of the CIA plotline, but there is still a lot of really awesome moments in here.
0: Yeah, I I think so too. And I think first and foremost that starts with Jason Bateman's turn uh, as the high school bully. Grown up, he's so good at playing a douche; it's not even funny.
1: It's and, it, and you know what? It's hysterical. Like the way that he does this, where he. He kind of starts off kind of repentant and, you know, very much like I was getting such arrested development, Jason Bateman vibes at the beginning, but then like, so, such a hard turn into just like pure evil Jason Bateman.
0: Yeah. Um, I do think it is worth listening to the clip of Jason Bateman talking to him. So we'll play that right now. There
3: you go. Stay seated. One second. Give me two minutes. Sit down, men. A few years ago, I found the Lord Almighty, and ever since then, my life has been completely different, okay? He's got a plan for each and every one of us, and in his infinite wisdom, he makes no mistakes. Hmm? Yeah, right about that. I think the Lord put you here because he wants me to get something off my chest. He wants me to clear my conscience, and he wants me to ask for forgiveness. Robert, what I did to you at that rally in senior year was a cowardly act. It's something that I've regretted every single day, yeah? I mean, bullying is a, is a national crisis. making leave people with a lifetime of pain. So... I just wanna say how truly sorry I am for what happened, you know? Or for what I, for what I did. It didn't just happen, I did it, I did it, and I wish to God that I had not done it. So I'm hoping that you can find it in your heart to forgive me.
2: I wasn't expecting this at all. I oh, know it. I know it. Just so happy. Uh, I don't know what to say.
3: How about you say? The Oscar goes to Trevor Olson. mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> dick. You stupid ass. Good God you're dumb. Dumber than ever I guess. And you too Calvin. Look at that stupid look on those two faces. The Lord taught me to care. Unbelievable. I'm a Scientologist okay. That's A. Been and free since 2003. Clear as shit. And I'm sorry for what I did. Let me tell you what I'm sorry about. I'm sorry I didn't toss your naked ass out there three more times. It was the best senior prank ever. I still get emails about it.
1: God, I, okay, it's just so, just delicious. It's such a good clip.
0: Yeah, they gave him about three minutes to himself, and he took advantage of every single second of it. I think it's so funny. It's
1: like, weird dick, weird dick. Like, yeah, I,
0: I love that. I love him saying, it. I'm a Scientologist. <laughs> That's A, fate and free since 2003.
1: Yeah. God, love that! this is so much fun.
0: And then I also love the scene where Calvin and his wife go to the marriage counselor.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. Which, so, so we didn't, this didn't really get covered in, there was a lot to get through in this act, but this scene is one of the funniest in the movie by far.
0: This entire movie is Kevin Hart, like behind the eight ball and not really knowing what's going on.
1: It's, it is just so incredible. And this, okay, I, I got to say, like, we talked about uh, Dwayne Johnson kind of wearing the fanny pack this whole movie. The clothing he's wearing in this scene oh yeah, is unreal. Like, full... Putting the daddy in, into Dwayne, daddy, Dilfey,
0: Johnson, Jingleheimer, Schmidt.
1: Yeah, if you're a longtime fan of the show, uh, you'll recognize our, uh, that's our, our, one of our only catchphrases we've been able to... <laughs>
0: Okay, putting that so, on a shirt
1: yeah <laughs> uh sell like hotcakes
0: but anyway so he's wearing like this sweater vest uh, basically he looks <laughs> like like a huxtable
1: yeah oh my god and, and he's
0: got these bifocals all the way down on his nose
1: and this is where we get some of the best physical comedy in this movie like there's this, i think there's a moment where he's like like swaddling kevin Hart. like there's like he's like a whole, cradling there's, him like a baby <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're staring into each other's souls as a way of like demonstrating this exercise. I but I love the um word association test. He goes, <laughs> Let's just do word association. There are no wrong answers. And he goes, Okay, up. And then <laughs> Kevin Hart goes, Down. And then <laughs> Dwayne Johnson goes, Hmm. And he scribbles something down on the notepad. And he's doing all of this. He is he has taken the place of their uh, marriage counselor who we find out later is like tied up and taped to the uh, his closet door
1: yeah and this it's just another moment like like we don't know at this point if bob stone is like completely unhinged or or knows exactly what he's doing like he's another one of these just insane moments
0: <laughs> yeah and actually i i do think that this is one of the better dwayne johnson acting roles because at the When we first meet him, he's like this lovable, goofy, kind of losery guy um when they meet each other at the bar. but then uh the c i a lady I forgot her name or whatever talks to Kevin Hart and says, "No, he is the bad guy, so we're kind of in the mind of Kevin Hart, we're sort of seeing things from his perspective, and so Dwayne Johnson has to sort of play it ambiguous from that point on to keep the audience guessing, and I think he does a really good job of that sometimes. You know, you're thinking, oh, there's no way he's the bad guy. And then there's certain beats that make you think that he could be.
1: Yeah, to his credit, I don't think it's ever obvious one way or the other. I think I, I completely agree. Uh, he plays it right down the middle and it, it provides for some of the most hysterical moments in the movie. Uh, you did mention that CIA agent, that's uh, Pamela Harris, who's played by Amy Ryan. So listening at home, that's that's Holly from The Office. She uh,
0: will always be Holly from The Office. And I'll tell you, another Office alum that's involved with this movie is Andy from The Office. Ed Helms is uh, the executive producer of this movie.
1: And it's, it's. I mean, when you, when you told me that, it makes so much sense. Because this movie, it's just like, it's hysterical. And he's proven himself to have a pretty gifted comedic touch. And for him to be a producer on this movie, the first one where Dwayne Johnson's asked to to truly be funny in like in a fairly adult comedy. Uh it, I mean, he killed it. his fingerprints are all over this movie.
0: Well, it's it's him and Steve Minuchin, uh, <laughs> Treasury Secretary, uh, who was also responsible for the travesty that was Suicide Squad. Oh, so geez. it was a bit of a, a mixed bag there, but this movie turned out, happy to report um that it turned out much better than Suicide Squad. And
1: I I know we just mentioned the kind of like physical physical gags in this movie. There's okay. This is there's this scene where Bob Stone is captured by the CIA with when Calvin betrays him and then Pamela Harris is torturing Bob to try and get him to confess to being the Black Badger and she like breaks all of his fingers which leads to this moment where at the end of it where Calvin when Calvin breaks Bob out of the facility they like go in for a high five and and, and Dwayne Johnson's yes. fingers are like all mangled and, and horrible. Oh, God. Yeah. It made me There's so dizzy. There's a couple dizzy. of
0: different moments like this. Like later on in the movie, after he rips the guy's throat out, Roadhouse style, <laughs> which I love that too. This movie is full of different callbacks. We have 16 Candles. We have Roadhouse. Uh, he even, Kevin Hart, earlier in the movie, even ment- uh, mentions Hercules, which, oh my God! you amazing. know, uh, Dwayne Johnson was in. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah. Uh, after Dwayne Johnson rips this guy's rips Aaron Paul's throat out at the end of the movie, he like goes to like give Calvin a hand, and he's still holding the trachea.
1: <laughs> I love so. For, I gotta say, I love any movie where an organ is is ripped out by hand. Like <laughs> like I love it. This it was so Temple of Doom to me,
0: oh. which
1: I think is not well, underrated Indiana Jones. Indiana
0: Jones. <laughs> Your Indiana Jones opinions are moot. Okay, invalid. Crystal Skull you was good, folks. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull.
1: And Shia should have been should be brought back. I know they've already announced <laughs> he's not. He should be brought back because he played the heck out of that role. Oh, out of mutt. Yeah. Mutt.
0: <laughs> mutt Williams is that his name?
1: I'm into it. Mutt Will. I think I I want a Mutt Williams action figure. There. Oh my. God. I freaking said it. They Mom. didn't make any of those. I want one for Hanukkah, and I'll find one. <laughs> God, there's just, I mean, it's hard to to describe. Oh, you know what? I want to say, when we're learning about the story of the Black Badger, we get this like flashback multiple times in the movie uh, where Dwayne Johnson and Aaron Paul, who are the two partners, they're in an elevator and Dwayne Johnson gets out and does this little like, I'll see you later, Phil. Uh, I'll see I'll you see later, on the other, other side, the other which side. is a
0: Ghostbusters by.
1: It's just great. Like we see that same scene maybe five or six times throughout the movie, but the way that you know, like exactly what you said, where we what's real and what's false, the line starts to blur because every time they show that scene from a different person's perspective, they play it a little bit differently. Just like a, like an interesting tweak. Like this movie, for being just a goofy buddy comedy, had like a lot of interesting cinematogra uh, a lot of interesting cinematography, which I thought was just you know kind of. It kind of pl- fought above its weight, I thought.
0: Oh, I think this movie is the best it possibly could have been, given the plot and and given the sort of role it was trying to fill, which is just a summer action comedy, sort of like uh, a goofier version of Lethal Weapon or something.
1: Mm-hmm. And when you compare this to a movie like Get Smart, which we looked at in episode six, you know, that movie was very similar in that there were two main people carrying the comedic weight throughout the entire movie, but that one kind of loses steam halfway through this one. Although the plot is, is fairly convoluted. I thought like even up until this point, you know, it's providing constant laughs almost every scene.
0: And and I think a lot of it is the dialogue between Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, which you see after the movie, there's a gag reel during the credits. uh, And it, it seems like they had just a lot of takes to improv their lines and it seems like they kept a lot of it. I will say that typically if I see a gag reel at the end of the movie, it makes me think less of the movie.
1: <laughs> um it's your, it's your 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 telltale sign.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's my litmus test to see if something is a good movie. If I'm on the fence about a movie and I see if there's a gag reel at the end, that it's only points against it. But in this movie, it was really an interesting uh, thing. You could sort of see the process of how they made it. But I think that that's where a lot... That's how this movie flowed. Every time it got slow, you had a shocking amount of time where these people who are uh, on the run from the FBI have so much time to just sit in a hallway talking to each other. It's mind-boggling. And I I think a good example of them talking to each other is after they escape the CIA facility, they're driving around in a car um trying to track down the location of the black badger and kevin hart starts putting things together and remember in this movie kevin hart is an accountant and he doesn't you know he's not an agent so but anyway he's starting to show signs that he could be a good agent and dwayne johnson really enjoys that so uh let's take a listen to that Hey, go jet
2: what's this bug out bag courtesy of the cia go ahead and grab that phone in there what you still have the bank transaction code how are transaction numbers gonna help us find out where the bad guys are? Well, it's not bank transaction numbers or codes. It's actually- Longitude and latitude. Oh, look at the spy brain on the jet. What? what? You're like a chocolate Google. Boop, 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 But Don't do it, stop it. Stop <sighs> it. You're getting good at this, man. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's longitude and latitude. All you gotta do is plug those digits into the GPS, and boom, we're gonna catch the buyer and the badger just like that.
0: I you know and and that's maybe not the best example but you know you can really see that they have a rapport these guys really were born to be in a movie together
1: and and that's one thing in that gag reel you can kind of see like they're all over each other's social media uh which I think you know one of the best ways to kind of get to get to know the head of Dwayne Johnson is to take a look at look at his Instagram account Kevin Hart was all over his Instagram
0: Oh, yeah, especially during the filming of Jumanji. You know, we'll see them back in action.
1: Yeah, so these are two people that are are like legitimately uh, have become good buddies. And like you said, like every single scene that just oozes out of them. Uh, and it, it really it's really just hysterical watching them go. Uh, but let's let's get into act three. Let's 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 figure out how this movie ends. Uh, there's a lot here. Uh, So so follow along, do your best, and then we'll break it down in. uh... Here's the
0: thing. It doesn't matter. This movie is just a delight. And it's just like most action movies. The plot doesn't really matter as much as the set pieces, but we'll try to explain it anyway.
1: So Calvin deduces that the deal is happening in Boston and helps Bob Stone steal a plane. At an underground parking garage where the deal is assumed to be taking place, Stone enters alone, while Calvin sees Harris entering a short while later from the outside. He mistakenly assumes that she is the Black Badger and runs after her, but instead finds Stone meeting with the buyer and claiming to be the Black Badger himself. Bob notices Calvin behind him watching and shoots at him, grazing his neck, but we learn later it's to keep him safe. Stone's thought-to-be-dead partner Phil arrives on the scene and claims that he, actually, is the real Black Badger. The buyer then attempts to retrieve codes from both Phil and Bob, however Pamela and the CIA arrive and a shootout breaks out. As this is happening, Calvin grabs both codes and runs outside, where he once again encounters both Stone and Phil, who are engaged in combat. Unable to decide who is the true criminal, Calvin randomly shoots, and he hits Stone in the butt who collapses. Phil then confesses that he is, in fact, the real Black Badger, and that Bob has been innocent the entire time. Calvin causes a distraction, doing one of his trademark jet backflips, allowing Bob to jump up and, as you said, Charlie, rip out the throat of Phil Stanton. Calvin and Bob then deliver the codes to Pamela Harris, who then drops them off at their high school reunion for which they are just in time and bob uh, is announced as the homecoming king trevor attempts to bully bob a third time but bob knocks him out cold and delivers his victory speech taking off all his clothes confidently to help conquer his demons from 10 years ago he walks off stage uniting with his high school crush darla mcguckian as the movie ends we see that calvin has joined the cia and as a gift for his first day on the job, Bob gives Calvin back his varsity jacket, which he's kept from that one fateful day in high school. And they drive off uh, upon which I can only imagine they begin a new life of solving crimes together. Woo. So there's a lot, there's a lot in the in act three there, uh, a lot of black badger action, but it's, it's fun throughout start to finish.
0: Yeah. You know, there's this movie has a lot of fake double crossing and it, you know, at first you think that Bob Stone turned on Calvin when he shot him. But it turns out he, you know, purposefully grazed his neck. You know, you're, you're led to believe that he got shot in, in the face and died. But uh, we find out later that he survived. And not only did he survive, Bob Stone did that so he could escape. Um, basically, you get Jesse Pinkman uh, confronting Bob Stone. Um, he played, You're
1: right. He plays like it's exactly just a Jesse. Like there's... It, it wasn't even really well, a line. He even gets like, a, <laughs> I'm the black badger, bitch. Like, <laughs> yeah, he throws in the trademark. Like, he, it, it was yeah, very on the trademark.
0: nose. Basically, we just get a showdown where Kevin Hart doesn't know who to choose. You know, I thought this, this was fine. It didn't go on for too long, which I really liked. You know, this um, climax wasn't long and drawn out. You know, it happened and then we moved on. And I guess we kind of forgot to mention that this movie basically is predicated on the fact that Calvin Joyner is like so nervous to go to his twenty-year high school reunion, so it comes full circle at the end.
1: That's true, and that's it's this whole thing. We you might have heard in the the clip we played that Bob keeps calling Calvin Jet, so that was his nick. Like he was the like the literal man in high school. And this movie, as much as it is about Bob and Calvin becoming friends and this kind of buddy, this kind of buddy pick, it's also about Calvin. Like there's a lot of like personal growth that we see just for Calvin in, in both his relationship with his wife uh, and his, you know, can finding contentment with himself, Like there, there's actually a lot of very adult themes that this movie tackles for how lighthearted so much of it is.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do have a question as to why, like why does Kevin Hart's character, why is he so disappointed with his life? He's got a good job. You're right. Uh, he's got he's a beautiful so wife.
1: upset. Like what did he, did th- he think he was going to be like the president? Like, he seems to be a a pretty high level accountant at whatever. He's got him. a nice
0: house. You know, how much can you ask for in life? He seems to be like, he should be a hundred percent content, but. Oh, anyway, you know what? Maybe- that? It's funny.
1: It, you know what? There's actually, there's that other, there's another like weird little subplot that we didn't mention that part of his, uh, the issues with his wife are stemming from this thing that he doesn't want kids because there's like another, like, I think he, that he has some sort of issue with the idea of kids of like, yeah, that's true. Like, I forgot about that. Like, there was some angle where I think he has a fear of, of like, being a father. Like, there was some other angle. Yeah, that and they...
0: that gets paid off later. Uh, yeah, there's, like, a lot of setup and payoff in this movie, and it is fairly predictable. One of just the random things that I liked is Bob Stone's meeting with the buyer in the parking garage. Kevin Hart sees the FBI lady go into the parking garage so he thinks that she's the black badger so he tries calling dwayne johnson's character <laughs> and y- you hear dwayne johnson on the other end of the phone he's like hi this is bob and this so is like, <laughs> hey bob she's coming for you he goes i can't hear you she's coming for you she's the black badger and then he goes ah just kidding this is my voicemail you know <laughs> i really like the fact like that character totally has a fake out voicemail right
1: message. no it that's what is it's hysterical because by this point in the movie like like we knew, of course, Bob Stone has a fake out voice, but like it was such, it, and it speaks such great volumes about the the development in this film because it, it's so, it's perfect, it is a perfect touch. And it's so obvious that he would have one. i love it. This, there's so many great little things this movie did. what did you think of the, uh, of the reunion? Cause a lot, it's almost, you could almost argue that the reunion is really where we get some of the best payoff in this final act.
0: Yeah. You get a really nice speech. So, uh, let's take a listen to that. Hi,
2: everybody. Most of you knew me back in high school as um, Robbie Weirdick. I wore prescription pants every day. 20 years ago in this gym, I stood in front of you all naked and embarrassed. Some of you might remember that day. A lot of you probably even laughed. But that's okay. Tonight's going to be different because my best friend is here with me. And he taught me what it means to be the hero of your own story. Would you hold this for me please? Being the hero of your own story isn't about stopping bad guys or or climbing mountains. It's about overcoming bullies in your life, whatever or whomever they may be. It's about putting it all out there for everyone to see. And it's realizing that in life, the most important thing that you can be is yourself. So Central High class of 1996, this is me, Robbie Weirdick. Oh, my God.
3: Bob just
0: One of the things that we do see, which I believe is a first, is we get rock butt. Oh, yeah.
1: Full on rock, rock butt. Total rock butt.
0: Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think it's a butt double or do you think he did it? I think it's true butt. You think it's him? I'm
1: going on record because you know what? Rocky's hold on, got let me
0: get a good look. Let me pull it up here.
1: Rocky has got zippy to hide. Zippy. He's got a butt That's chiseled true. out of diamond.
0: Uh well so he didn't he get shot in the previous scene in the butt?
1: He did, yes. Kevin Hart does a- uh, does
0: Do we see hold on, do we see a wound? When we see Butt?
1: I don't recall Wound.
0: Hold on. Let me try pulling it up. Uh, and another thing, his high school crush is played by Melissa McCarthy. So they end up together, which I really liked.
1: No, and I, you know, I love that we get like a full-on makeout with those two at the end. Yeah. Like that's another, oh, I think that it might oh, be one of the first.
0: Hold on. We might, there might be, yep, there's a wound.
1: We have confirmation
0: or a bandage. On, on Basically, it's on his right hip. But yeah, we get like full backle nudity.
1: Which is probably a first as far as Dwayne Johnson movies go.
0: Oh, for sure. I don't think we ever see his his butt or really anything uh, below the waist at all.
1: I mean, between Scorpion King and this, it's like that, that was the closest movie. That was the most risque movie we'd covered up until... I'm trying to think of like the most nudity in a rock film. I think Pain and Gain has cl- has some because he's up in the strip club all the time.
0: Oh, that's true. But he's also wearing like a loincloth in Scorpion King.
1: Right. Yeah, he's he's totally. And that's when we get him waking up with the princess at one point, like in bed. Like, yeah. like assumed coitus. We get hinted coitus.
0: <laughs> yeah, you don't get that a lot. But yeah, we do get a lot of payoff in this high school reunion. Uh, yeah, everything turns out well. And it really, it does seem like they're trying to set up a sequel. With Calvin joining the CIA,
1: this is a movie I would be just thrilled to watch a sequel to. I think oh, like for sure, because they don't have to do like they could strip the plot back, make it so bare bones. There's just make it a bad guy who wants to blow up like the White House, like literally just make it some like very basic plot, and then just let these two go back and forth. Do a, it could be a Get Smart starring Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart. Oh, for sure. I I
0: think that this movie sort of makes up for a lot of the shortcomings of Get Smart. A lot of the beats are the same. You know, you do have um, Dwayne Johnson sort of playing an ambiguous. You don't know if he's good or bad. like in get smart, but it works so much better here. So much better.
1: And speaking of if we want to see a sequel, Charlie, this this movie was was pretty much made for the franchise Viagra test. Uh, so what are your thoughts? What do we what do we got for franchise Viagra?
2: Franchise viagra.
0: as always the franchise viagra test is broken down into three tenets and those tenets are hard work charisma and physique uh hard work i i think he's working hard i think Dwayne johnson is acting his injured butt off and i think it pays off he's funny he's charming he's goofy and i love it charisma yeah a lot of this goes into it. the bob stone character for me isn't a sort of perfect person you know he has shortcomings like social shortcomings i think that just makes him even more lovable he's not sort of turning into this all-encompassing good guy in every sense of the word person which i kind of have a problem with uh for like maybe fast eight dwayne johnson and i think this one really hits a sweet spot for me physique obviously we see a lot of it especially at the end it's as good as it's ever been so for me uh, every step of the way, this definitely passes the franchise Vagra test. I would 100% see a sequel of this movie.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a brilliant example of the franchise vagar test at work. It doesn't hurt that he's paired up with such a dynamic co-star, but certainly I think Dwayne Johnson carries a lot of the weight in this movie and is a significant reason that Central Intelligence deserves to see a sequel. So I, I too think that he passes the franchise vagar test with flying colors.
0: For sure. And I, I think, you know, we just did a rankings episode. For me, the rundown had the best sidekick in it, Sean William Scott. Do you think that Kevin Hart usurps Sean William Scott for that role?
1: I, I do. I do, actually. I think that...
0: I, as much as I like the rundown, I, I think so, too.
1: I I think that Sean William Scott, to, to borrow a, a phrase I used earlier, I think that he played above his weight in the rundown. I think that he showed kind of the best of what he could be. Uh, so, this is not a knock to him at all. But I think that Kevin Hart really brings uh, an exciting electricity to this film that, when paired up with the dopiness of Dwayne Johnson's character, this is what Baywatch failed to do. I think they went for it. I think Zach Efron was meant to emulate this kind of, you know, have this little dopey back and forth the way that Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson do in this movie. But it's incomparable because I think. Oh, well, yeah.
3: I, I, because.
1: Kevin Hart's a comedian. <laughs> Zach Efron's not a comedian. There's that. That's it's uh, probably a
0: major. You know what I mean? It, it uh, comes Watch. It was two people who can be funny when they're paired up with funny people like Zach Efron and Seth Rogen. That worked because Seth Rogen was there to anchor it. So you can't take two people that need to lean on somebody to work to make comedy work uh, and expect it to happen. So yeah, this movie definitely is very very high in my rankings i'm just looking at my rankings now i does it crack the top five i've pain and gain in my fifth spot and you know what i think i'm gonna have to bump it down i think central intelligence is my new number
1: five that's it's a that's a good bet charlie i see i see how can this this could slip into your top five especially pain and gain it's kind of a it's an interesting an interesting comparison to make in that i think that both pain and gain and Central Intelligence at at each of their respective times were such different movies that's than what Dwayne Johnson had typically done up until that point. Uh they both kind of represented different turns in his career. I think that this too would make it into my top five. This would probably I have the rundown at five. This to me would would bump the rundown down to down to six. And this So
0: it doesn't so you're gonna still keep the game plan at number four?
1: Well here's the thing about the game plan. It's a transcendent film. Ugh. And it's also Are you kidding it's me, so important. You, you like the game plan more than this movie? The game plan? Here's the thing about it. Okay. First of all, so I, I purchased this movie by accident because there was no other option. And I'm so happy I had to purchase it because I will rewatch this movie oh, countless sure. times. However, in like the game plan to me is is this cr- is this vitally important movie in the Dwayne Johnson canon. I think it shows off so many different aspects of what he, of I think like so many of his different movies, I think can be traced back to gameplay. I think his performance in Central Intelligence can be traced back to what he gave in the game plan. Like, I think that's a foundational movie for kind of everything that he became. And what's interesting is that Central Intelligence might have been kind of the start of, it kind of might have been the start of a, like a, a backward shift as far as the quality of Dwayne Johnson movies.
0: Yeah, we we talked about this just for a second before recording, but I I think that that's, that's a defensible view. I, this is really the first straight comedy turn that Dwayne Johnson made, and I think it sort of led him to believe that he is some sort of comedian, and, and he's
1: just not. And see, whereas the game plan kind of, I think, gave him the confidence to to flex that muscle a little bit and i think it eventually resulted in this you know amazing performance in central intelligence i think that his success in this movie kind of set off an unfortunate sort of tailspin where he he kind of flew too close to the sun
0: yeah well hopefully that gets corrected i have a feeling it won't
1: with jumanji no you gotta believe Uh, i believe in jumanji it's it's kevin hart and dwayne johnson again Look, they're going to recreate the magic. I feel, and, and you're adding Jack Black to the mix? I feel yeah, it. Yeah,
0: maybe. I feel it. Maybe, but who knows? I mean, for me, I, I, I really do. If, if my Dwayne Johnson is going to be funny, I want him to also be dumb. I think I've realized that.
1: <laughs> you want the lovable, the lovable, goofy idiot.
0: Yeah, I like that for his comedy. Either that or he needs to be super serious playing against somebody that's, that's playing the goofball like in the rundown.
1: Yeah, you want the rundown I think that you like there are like three rocks that you want. It's you get rundown rock, where he's he's super serious against a comedian. You get Central Intelligence Rock, uh, where he's this dopey idiot against sort of us like a semi straight man, and then kind of fast five rock, where you just have hyper intense Dwayne Johnson going like in just a full out like macho mono mono type role. I think that's sort of like your three prototypes that that usually can spell success for a Dwayne Johnson pick so that does it for us tonight on rock talk this was a fun fun movie you should absolutely watch it if you haven't and if you already have you should go watch it again it's that good uh please we know that we are gone for a bit but give us some love on Facebook and Twitter we are facebook.com slash rock We have the same handle on Twitter and Instagram. So go hit us up and please the number one thing you can do to support this show is give us a review and a rating on iTunes. So it takes like two seconds. Hit us up on iTunes, hit us in that search bar where the first podcast that comes up when you type in Dwayne Johnson, it's that easy, uh, but show us some love. Thank you as always for listening And until next time, Charlie, tell them what show this is. You're listening to Rock Talk.